We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. What a pleasure it is to have you here with us tonight. And, of course, Jonathan Lowe is our in-studio producer, the one I work with the most. Also producers are Chris Tubbs, who does the 9 o'clock hour, and, of course, um, Jonathan doing the 7 through 8 o'clock hours. So the 9 o'clock hour is for Chris Tubbs. And then usually at 10 o'clock, it's the Mom and Michael hour with my son, Michael Battle. Jonathan, I don't know if you know this, but he just celebrated his birthday. Boy, did he have a great birthday. So he won't be joining us tonight, just so he can recuperate tonight before he goes to work tomorrow. So (laughs) there you go. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? You know, I'm doing very well. I am. Um, I have a lot to do. I'm excited about all the things that are coming up. I'm performing on Thanksgiving night, and I'm really excited about that. So, yeah, things are going really well. I will say that I didn't get to watch any sports this week. I was so busy. <laughs> I didn't get to watch it. So you got to fill me in on the good stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, it didn't work out, did it? <laughs> As uh, the Timberwolves did okay, mm-hmm. um, the uh, did they win? Th- they did. That's what I'm saying. They're doing okay. They've they've won three in a row. Uh, the Wild won last night. Uh, prep football, awesome. high school football is uh, coming to a close. We'll have the annual Prep Bowl, which is the championships for all the levels of high school football. Not usually it's the day after Thanksgiving and the Saturday after Thanksgiving, but this week or this year, because the Vikings are actually playing on Thanksgiving night over at US Bank Stadium, they've moved that out a week. So we've been talking about it and, and people should know by now. It's not gonna be next weekend, it's gonna be the weekend after. Uh right. but but speaking of the Vikings uh, What? What? Yeah. What? What are you saying? Um, so this was not a good weekend for Viking football, and this was not a good weekend for Gopher football. Uh, Gopher football mm-hmm. could not score, and they lost the pig again. Their, their was tro- that the one forty-eight to zip? No, no, okay. no, no. There was they, some game that was forty-eight to zero. No, no, no. That was. Uh, I don't think that involved any Minnesota team. No. Um, oh wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Forty-nine-zero. Uh, uh, that was St. John's score. St. Okay. John's won okay. their game uh, in the first round of the NCAA Division Three tournament, 49-0, over a school from St. Paul by the, by the name of Northwestern University. Oh, don't rub it in, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the 49 nothing that you're talking about. Oh, um, ouch. Today's score 
Uh, Minnesota yesterday, they lost to Iowa, which meant they lost their trophy, which is a very big bronze uh, pig. 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 P-I-G, pig. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not B-I-G, like big. Big. But a big pig. B-I-G, P-I-G, big pig. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, called uh-huh. Floyd of Rosedale. That is the name of oh, the trophy. Oh, gosh. Seriously? <laughs> oh, yes. It's very famous. It's one of the more famous trophies out there. It's Floyd of Rosedale. Okay. okay. Um, so they lost that yesterday again. And the Vikings... Uh, they, they were, I'm, I'm looking right now at a commercial from Cub Foods and they have a basted turkey that you're going to serve at Thanksgiving. Um, the Vikings wish they were that basted turkey. Uh, that's how bad they lost today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They got crushed. So what do you think is the challenge then? How is it that they go from an exceptional game to... Not exceptional at all, except it's exceptionally bad. <laughs> it so, happens in sports. It it happens all the time in often sports. Often, though? Yes. Oh, often? Okay. Yes. Um, the, a, a great equivalent would be the team that the Vikings were just tied for with the best record in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia has started off the season 8-0. and They were... Uh, a very consistent and sometimes dominant team with the teams that they were playing. Last Monday, they played a division rival in Washington, and Washington shut them down and beat them, upset them in Philadelphia. And so it was a clunker game for the Eagles, even though they had been undefeated. Philadelphia went to Indianapolis today and almost lost again and almost had another Mm. clunker. So sports most times you're going to have inconsistency. That's why the teams that you hear about so often as being the greatest, the New York Yankees, the Boston Celtics, the Montreal Canadiens, the Los Angeles Lakers, recently the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. the, they, the reason that they are held up to such high regard is because they are so consistently great or had been over such a long period of time, they didn't have those inconsistencies. And mm-hmm. so that's why you hear about those teams more than you do, unfortunately, the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Who's, who's responsible for the inconsistencies, though, Jonathan? Is it the coach? It, it, it depends. Sometimes coaching is, is horrible. Sometimes the players just don't execute. It, there, yeah. there are so many factors that go into winning in sports that you you usually can't pin it. If you're mediocre, you can't pin it on one thing. It's usually a, a whole bunch of things. Uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say a bunch of things. It varies from, from time to time. If you're a bad team, then it's a bunch of things. Then it's coaching <laughs> and players, talent, organization, scheme, whatever. It's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be changed to, to even get to mediocre. Well, you know, I'm just happy you didn't get hurt when you were playing football. I I never played football. I know exactly. That's exactly my point. What? (laughs) I'm I'm amazed. I am amazed at those of us, including me and including a lot of men that I know, um, that play, 
you know, following football and, and we love to, you know, really put the ones who are doing really, who are doing badly, we like to really expose them, you know, and say, hey, gosh, how could you do that? Oh, that was so stupid. Or it's amazing. I've heard from, I have um, many men in my life with my three brothers and some cousins that live here and some grandchildren that live here and they have opinions about it, but none of them have played football. So, so, so. But, but here's the thing. <laughs> Yes, a lot of us have never played football. We have played sports on some level. I've, I've, I am not the best person to talk about as far as my experience in sports. That ended in high school. That ended really before high school. Mm-hmm. But well, high school is a beginning, right? It's a beginning. Uh, for some. But the thing is, we also listen to people who have played in those arenas that have played those specific sports. I'm I'm going to listen to these analysts that have played football, basketball, hockey, soccer, tennis, baseball. I'm going to listen to them because they do have expertise. That doesn't mean I can't look at something and see it in front of my eyes and say, "Ooh, that was that was that was poor effort or that was a bad angle that 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 person took on that tackle or that was uh that person just didn't was completely fooled on a fastball or a changeup. You know, I can look at that and see, okay, that just doesn't look right to me compared to what I normally see as something that's good execution. Right. Well, I'm just saying, you know, we all have our our um, opinions about it all. And what do they call those uh those um uh Monday night Monday night coaches? quarterbacks? Quarterbacks, yeah. yeah. Monday night quarterbacks. So, yeah. I know we got to take a break, you guys, and so stick with us. We're actually, no, I'm we sorry, no, it's back. Monday morning quarterbacks, not Monday night. Let's, oh, is it Monday morning? Yeah, Monday morning because most football games are played on Sunday, and so the next morning everybody's around the water cooler thinking that they know everything, and that's why they call it a Monday morning quarterback. So everyone that's listening, as you can hear, Jonathan is teaching me a lot about sports. I used to know some things about basketball, seriously. I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden I stopped. Um, But football I became very interested in, had football parties and that sort of thing. But still, I didn't take on to it like I did basketball. And so now I'm really trying to reconnect with all of the sports that I used to know something about. And then, of course, golfing, because my brother, Fred, loves it and he's very good at it. I get so excited when I, I get a chance to watch golf there were a couple big golf results today too oh really i didn't get to watch any today oh Uh, my goodness pga tour had their last full field event before they take their break for basically the holidays Mm -hmm. and the the lpga the ladies pga tour um had their tour championship in today how'd that go it it went well uh lydia ko who is a a star on the lpga tour ended up winning that event and so she's had a Bit of a comeback this year. Uh, had some good results, had a couple wins this year. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back in just a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I still dance when I hear this song. (laughs) Some people say, um, someone said to me not long ago, that song has been out for like 15 years. No, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Like what? Maybe 10? Uh, I don't even think that long. I think maybe seven. I think maybe 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be more than that. No, no. No, you know, I, I want to say it came listening. out about 2000, maybe 2014, but I thought around 2015 or 16. I, please look it up when you have a chance. <laughs> hey, everyone, I want to I make sure that I heard this correctly, Jonathan. Um, I heard you say that more restaurants, or heard someone say there are more restaurants that are closing. Is that true? Yes. Yes, there okay. are. Um, I've seen, uh, I know that Susie has... Uh, uh, talk, talks about it in our newscasts. Um, I've also seen a couple of stories on the various news channels, uh, 4, 5, 9, 11, talking about this. And uh, I, I can't remember the name, uh, not Aurora, but um, there was one that Susie talks about in her story that, that she will continue to talk about through the evening. I know that I, I, I recently heard this weekend that Stella's Fish market is going to close i just saw today that williams uptown bar is closing um it's uh it's it's continuing to be an issue so is it all over the twin cities or no yeah yeah it's it's not just concentrated on one area it's all over the the cities it's all over the country it's this is this is something that is happening all over the country because of the struggle to try to get everything back on track from a supply chain standpoint and an inflation standpoint and a recovery from the pandemic standpoint. So what about Rock Bottom Brewery? Have you heard anything about them? I haven't. I'm going to have to look and see if anything is going on It's under the list them. of closing or changing. Um, and so I'm just really... It, oh, here it says the state's oldest brew pub, Rock Bottom Brewery, quietly closed in October. Rock Bottom burst onto the scene ne- nearly 30 years ago at the brew pub's second location. The first was in Denver. Man, that, I'm sorry to hear that. I remember going to that restaurant a few times. Well, I remember we had Father's Day at Rock Bottom, which is right underneath Crave, downtown Minneapolis on Hennepin. Yes. And um, it changed. You know, there was um, the interior. If you went further into the restaurant, of course, when you first came in, you would see the big brewery 
um, gigantic things in there, and you would be able to sit by the bar and have whatever. But if you wanted to have like a nice fancy dinner, it, it was just beautifully. The decor was so beautiful, and I really appreciated that. And so to know that it's gone because it slowly started getting more casual and more casual, and I just stopped going there. Um, there's also uh, a place called Red Table Meat Company. I don't know anything about that. Unbelievable! <sighs> it just breaks my heart when the, they start closing. I remember was when Seven Steakhouse, the sushi and rooftop. I, I don't know if you ever went there at 700 Hennepin Avenue, but let me tell you, it was fantastic. I only walked fantastic. in. I only walked in that place once, and it was kind of during the day. It was during a slow period. It wasn't. At night when it was hopping and, and everything was jumping over there, it was kind of just a slow period. And I just walked in, asked about the menu, and just kind of moved on. So, no, I never oh, really the menu was fantastic. There. It was really great. And they would kind of open and close, open and close, that sort of thing. But, yeah, they've been gone for a while now. Um, and I'm, I'm looking through this list trying to figure out any of the ones that I know of that hurts your heart. Uh, the Apostle Supper Club, though, uh, and False Idol, these are open, and I really I I've been trying to get <laughs> I've been trying to get a um, reservation at the Apostle in in um, in downtown St. Paul, and I'm frustrated because I can't seem to get in yet, but I'll keep trying. It's, I heard it's really really good. You know, this has been for for the last couple of years. I consider myself to have been fortunate. Mm-hmm. There were places that I knew of that I frequented that had closed down. Um, a couple, there's uh, one of the Mad Jack's locations that used to be up yeah. in Vandas Heights. That mm-hmm. closed early in the pan, uh, I want to say September of 2020 or October of 2020. Um, the uh, Ginger Hop up here on Hennepin. Man, that was smoking. That yeah. was just great food. They, they closed down. Yeah. That was a while ago, ago too. Yeah, yeah, that was a couple of years ago. There, there's actually a new place in there now, an Indian place. Oh, cool. An Indian food place. Do you like East Indian food? I do. I don't have it enough, um, but yeah. I, 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 I like it. Um, but I didn't really get affected by it as much until this year when a couple of staples that I went to closed down in late July and late August. And so it's kind of that gloom and doom over your shoulder that you know it's coming. Just right. the way that the economics have been going for the last couple of years, you know it's coming. You just don't know when. <laughs> well, I will say this. There is one place that opened, and it seems like more are opening than those that are closing, so I'm really happy to hear that. But there's one called Wineside. It's at 1641 Plymouth Road in Minnetonka. And here's what's interesting about it. it it's located where Champs at Ridgedale Center now that that's gone, this place, Wineside, has taken over, and it's a hybrid. It's a liquor store, a restaurant, a wine bar, and a grocery store. <laughs> I think people I gotta tra- go. <laughs> I think people are trying to get more creative with what they have, and not just not just have the traditional restaurant, not just have the traditional bar, but have options like something you wouldn't see. It, kind of a cross between a Whole Foods. And, right. uh, and 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 uh, a restaurant. I'll give you another example. Certix 
up here on Yeah, but Certix Central. has been doing that for a long time, man. They've been doing, you know, things that people didn't expect. You know, it all started with the cheese and the wine, and then it just started flourishing. And there are a couple other places like that. And by the way, when I talked about Wineside, I should have mentioned that they um, offer, like, um, cheese, of course, but charcuterie. Uh, plates and I just love charcuterie boards and so if people know about it sandwiches and salads and all of that is happening too but I'm going to Wineside. Okay we got to take a break and we'll come back in a moment. It is now 7.35 here at WCCO. Welcome. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. I am so excited for my next guest. Of course, uh, it has been done now, and I'll tell you all about that. It has, a, it has been a turbulent few years for the Minneapolis Police Department. A large number of officers have left a department that continues to be scrutinized, even to the point of the ongoing federal in- investigation for its practices and procedures. Now, this is a situation that Brian O'Hara walks into. The former deputy mayor and police captain of Newark, New Jersey, has the unenviable task of overseeing MPD's culture change, restaffing the ranks, and most importantly, bettering the relationship with the city as a whole. The new chief of the Minneapolis Police Department is gracious enough to join us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Welcome, sir. How are you? Hi, Jalen. Thank you for having me. It is tr- it is just a pleasure. How are you uh, dealing with the weather and the people and all there okay. is to know about Minneapolis? Well, the weather uh, the weather was doing great the first few weeks I was here. It was, felt like it was <laughs> seventy degrees every day. Then all of a sudden, just to turn. So, I am adjusting. That's for sure. Keep all of a sudden in mind. It it happens often. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> You know, I was reading about the Minneapolis. I was reading about the Minneapolis Police Department, and it is the primary law enforcement agency here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We know that. It is also the largest police department in Minnesota, founded in 1867, and it is the second oldest police department, uh, only after St. Paul's de- uh, Department that was formed in 1854. Now, police, who in turn reports to the chief, um, I'm sorry, the assistant chief of police, who in turn reports to the chief, really surprised me when I was reading this online. I don't know why um, they wouldn't go directly to you. How are you going to look at that um, now that you are the police chief here in Minneapolis? Well, thank you. I mean, it all kind of works through the chain of command. So individual police officers report to sergeants who then report to lieutenants and so on. So uh, it's it's a very structured uh, chain of command so that uh, the idea behind it is essentially each person within the organization has only one person that they have to report to. Well, that's good. The city is also divided into five precincts, which I didn't know that before I read this, with 800 sworn officers. Now, many of the articles I've been reading, the numbers change. Is it 800 sworn in officers right now? No, I mean, probably before the pandemic, it was uh, around 900 officers, but right. no, it's it's below 600 now so hundreds of people have left uh there's been a struggle uh you know since the uh the uprising civil unrest there's been a struggle to replenish the length the ranks uh there's been a struggle uh to change perceptions here uh among people to get people willing uh to come on board and and bring the city and the department forward and be a part of the change that we want to see 
Yes, and we are looking forward to that, sir. So may I ask, what what would you say you are now bringing to the Minnesota, to the Minneapolis um, Police Department that we did not have before you arrived? Sure. Well, I mean, the one thing, obviously I'm from Newark, so um, I think there's two things that are most important to the people who are here that are very relevant to the experiences that I've lived through. And that's Newark is a city that's known historically for problems uh, around police community relations, you know, for Mm -hmm. decades and also for decades, serious issues around gun violence. And I think those are the two priorities that I think everyone would kind of universally agree uh, are serious issues here in our city. And, and, you know, the reality is today, Newark is not the same place it was five years, let alone 10 years ago, uh, in terms of either one of those issues. So having had the experience of leading police reform, leading a federal consent decree in Newark, uh, leading significant reductions around gun violence and serious street crime, I think that's stuff that's directly applicable uh, to the people's experience here in Minneapolis. I mean, we expect that, sir, um, and I, I understand that. I guess my question then is, what will be some of the changes to the public safety systems? To me, what is happening with police, what is happening with the violence in North Minneapolis, specifically where I live, um, really is um, sad to hear. But I know that there, um, the, gov- the mayor has been trying desperately to make changes in this area. And if we're going to make changes in making sure that we um, go after those that are being violent, we also have to go after the public safety um, uh, amendments and trying to figure out what is it that we need in order to make sure that public safety systems continue to exist. That's right. That's right. Well, certainly we can't have public safety without the public, right? So law enforcement is a collaborative effort. um, And to the extent that we're doing actual law enforcement, we want to collaborate with all of the other federal, state, county partners that we have to engage in that effort. Uh, an example of that was this this past Friday night. Uh, I addressed a roll call in North Minneapolis where we then uh, initiated a focused enforcement uh, effort that uh, w- within an hour after that, there were seven illegal guns recovered uh, from the streets in North Minneapolis, a total of 23 for the night citywide. Uh, and that's those are the efforts that we need to do collaboratively to um, obviously deal with the situation that we have hundreds of fewer officers that we had before, but also to focus precisely on that really small percentage of, of people in the community who, who are causing the most harm, who are pu- out there pulling triggers uh, and, and, and also at risk for becoming victims of violence themselves. But additionally, finding ways to partner with community uh, to ensure that we're community informed in the strategies that we adopt uh, and also uh, help and support community based uh, violence prevention programs as well. You know, when you were um, in Newark, I believe you be- became chief or, no, I'm sorry, officer, police officer mm-hmm. in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that time, that particular uh, police um, force used excessive force as well, right? And so here in the Twin Cities, our um, MPS initially, uh, Minneapolis Police Department, forgive me, uh, we've had those same challenges over the years. And I'm, I'm wondering, sure. now that you've come from a place with that same thing that we have had here, how do you correct it here? Well, certainly uh, these things don't change overnight. Uh, and I was just sure. fortunate that I was able to rise through the ranks in Newark uh, to various supervisory positions uh, and to be in a position to actually, you know, 
cultivate behaviors that community want to see that 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 represent community values and i think that's exactly what we need to do here i think it's something that not one person can change in terms of culture but i think it's something uh that the chief him himself needs to leave needs to lead as well as the uh the leadership of the agency and i think the bottom line is it's something we have to do every single day to ensure that we are lifting up the behaviors that we want to see uh, when officers are doing the things that reflect the values of community. And it's also something that we have to show that there are immediate consequences uh, when some officers step outside the norms and the values that communities expect to see. I have read so much about um, police chief all over the country. Um, I've been very interested in it for many years. And I must say, um, unfortunately, we do hear this same story that we have heard here in the Twin Cities and the great state of Minnesota. We've heard it in some of the major cities around the country. And it feels as though it never is solved it's never solved. Yeah. Usually that, that police department, uh, police chief ends up either resigning or moving on to something mm-hmm. else or quitting, you name it. And I don't understand how we're ever going to get to peace if we can't even yeah. seem to keep um, the, the, the leadership that could possibly solve this problem. Yes. Well, I do think that um, the essence of it is we will never be in a place where it is over, right? I think there is always going to be work to be done. Uh, However, I think we need to ensure that we are doing the things that we need to do uh, to be supportive so that there's processes in place that that provide a check on the system. Uh, And we have to be effective when we are checking officers' behaviors if we actually want to arrive in a place where we have a true sense of accountability. But it's not something that will ever be done. I mean, I think the essence of it is it's work that continues indefinitely. My goodness, I didn't expect to hear that. But I will say that I was excited to read about the street team. Can you tell me more about that? And will it be implemented here? Sure. Well, um, the North Community Street Team is something that started uh, several years ago now. Uh, a friend of mine, Akilah Sherrills, who, who was a part of the initial truce uh, in the Jordan Downs housing projects in Watts in L.A., uh, you know, years ago. Uh, and, and it's something we started uh, to have a community-based uh, approach to public safety, uh, to address uh, gun violence as a public, uh, as a, as a public health problem. Uh, and it's something that was initially, uh, you know, kind of difficult for police officers and prosecutors and, and, and tr- people with traditional law enforcement ideas, uh, you know, to accept. But it's something that expanded into many different areas. Uh, in terms of involving community, having town hall meetings for, for public safety concerns for community, uh, as well as trying to help ensure, you know, safe passage and things like that for, for children going to school. So I know there's a number of programs here, like we push for peace and other groups that are community-based uh, violence pre- prevention programs. Uh, and I know there's a lot of promise here, and, and I'm 100% in in terms of supporting those groups uh, but at the same time, I think it's important for people to realize, like, those groups are not here to be an arm of law enforcement. They, they provide a means to help uh, diffuse uh, and resolve conflicts in, in, in ways that police are just simply not capable to responding to. But I think it's very important that we support that as law enforcement because we, we both have the same end goal in mind, and that's to save lives and have fewer victims uh, of violence.
Before you became the chief, the new Minneapolis police chief, of course, there were questions about who is he, where is he from, who's going to be the one to get the, and if we're going to get someone, then we got to make sure that we pay them well so they they will be willing to accept the job, and of course, the fee really increased, and I'm curious to know, then did they also, did the Minneapolis Police Department here, um, have they increased the police officers' salaries? So, uh, there was a my understanding is the the union cro- contract had a normal increase in their salaries, and I believe the contract is expiring again uh, the end of the year. However, I do think there is a gap um, in terms of the the uh, appointed leadership. I don't believe that there has yet been a correction in the salaries of the appointed uh, leadership of the agency, the, the folks who are commanders, inspectors, and chiefs, the people who don't make overtime, the, those people. Yeah, that really concerns me. That's but more for that another day. Um, I will ask yep. you, though, um, what has been accomplished so far since you have arrived? Because I know when you got here, you immediately had to sit down and get right into it. Sure. And even before I actually got the job, I mean, the biggest thing that I've been trying to work on in, in the entire time I've been uh, here in Minneapolis is to get around as much as possible, to meet as many people in community, to be present to go to various houses of worship and meet people and just kind of listen to people's concerns to understand what people's experiences have been and what, what they would like to see going forward. Since I've been able uh, to take the office and become a sworn law enforcement officer, that adds a different dimension to it. Now I'm able to be present uh, with rank and file and with supervisors in the police department and kind of get under the hood and see how the police department is actually uh, operating and try and identify uh, gaps between where we are today versus where we want to be. So it's been a lot of listening and learning, I think, uh, is, is the best way to describe it. And listening is absolutely key, sir, absolutely key. And as we wrap up this conversation, I do want to ask whether or not, I know in every state, in every city, um, there are Minneapolis police departments sometimes change the way um, applicants may um, be able to be chosen. For example, some cities say you have to have a bachelor's degree in order to be a police officer. So what type of changes are we looking at? Are we still looking at that, where people have to have a bachelor's degree? Well, well, yeah. So what I have learned since I have been here, uh, to me, it is very difficult uh, for young people from, from the city to become police officers. And I think uh, the, the, the vast majority of the reason why is because of, uh, you know, uh, mandatory requirements that are in place by the state. So it is very important for me to try and do everything I can to remove barriers for young people from the city to become police officers. So that's something that I I have just started to look at very intentionally. Uh, I will do everything to change everything I can do. That's a city policy, but we're also going to be looking at to, uh, you know, what exactly the state requirements are and whether or not that's something that is actually necessary and, and actually results in, you know, the values and the people that the residents here want to see. The residents here want good policing. That's the bottom line. 
Yeah, better than good, absolutely, sir. Better than good. This is my final question, sir. Um, what will the young people be offered? Because the one problem I I've been here forty four years, and in my forty four mm. years, I have watched the decline of these young people. They have nothing to do. You don't have a lot of basketball courts. You don't have a lot of sports right. outdoors during the summer, and a lot of right. them get into trouble. And I'm wondering about right. that um, uh, because the community, the youth in the community, need as much as what the police officers need, as much as what the residents yeah. need. And so, how do we? How do you see the next step for the youth, especially for 2023 and 2024. Yeah. Well, the one thing I think is in common between the community uh, and particularly young people, as well as the police officers, is everyone here has experienced a whole lot of trauma over the last two or three years. Um, and I think we have to be very intentional about addressing that. Um, you know, and it, you know, a terrible consequence of things that happened here and reduced staffing is sort of as the police department gets smaller, it, it sort of went back to almost becoming a fire department. And by that, I mean simply only responding to things after the fact. And that's something that we cannot do. We have to be very proactive and intentional about community engagement. So one of the things that went away that I'm, I'm very happy uh, is coming back now uh, is the Police Activities League, because I think it's very important uh, if we're serious about changing perceptions, particularly among young people, about the police department in the city, we have to ensure that we are engaging with young people and, and providing a space for them to, to develop relationships with officers. That is not a law enforcement space. If the only time a kid in the city gets to see a cop is when something bad happens, that's not going to change anything. That's going to reinforce all of those negative things that we don't want to see. And that's going to that's gonna help that young person never even consider, you know, being a part of the change that we want to see. So I think we have to be very intentional uh, about engagement. We have to get back into PAL. We have to get back into youth uh, engagement and programs because we have to do, uh, we have to be very proactive about trying to change those perceptions and have young people from the city want to be a part of doing things differently here. Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and I hope those final words are absolutely going to be put into place. I will be watching and listening, and I hope you will join me again. Thank you, Ms. Jerome. Thank, thank you, sir. All right, everyone, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 7.56. I wanted to remind you that in the 8 o'clock hour, we have Blake Morgan is going to join us with Forbes Magazine, and, of course, at 8.35 is Gianna Kordatsky, and I'm looking forward to, to talking with both of them, so stay tuned. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.